Well, look here. You are listening to someone who is bold, authentic, diverse, unpredictable. Baby, I am unapologetically Ramon, and you have entered my zone, the QB zone, baby. Hello, somebody. excited because I have a few different topics that I am looking forward to discussing. And the reason why I picked the individual that you guys will be hearing from today is because they are all diverse. I all know them. I know them all very well. Um, and I have a lot of love, respect, and appreciation for their intellect, their opinions, and just how they have personally benefited me. And so I just want to introduce them first. I will start with my top left, I have Miss Brittany Revere. Um, she works for the county of Broward County. We have Jonathan Moses, who is a intergovernmental contract liaison for uh, Dade County. We have Jacques Toussaint, who is a director of inclusion and diversity for Florida State University. And I have a contract specialist, Jokira McNeil, who is rounding out my round table panel for today. How's everybody doing today? How's everybody doing? Everybody day, everybody week is going good so far? Yes. Good. No it's busy, but it was a good day. I can imagine. I definitely appreciate all of you guys taking out your, your time and your busy schedule to do this. And so I just go ahead and get straight started with um, our first topic. And I'm sure it's something that we can all relate to. Um, and that's definitely mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all sometimes intentionally make them sometimes you know unintentionally but we all make them we all have to learn from them i'm just curious when it comes to mistakes personally professionally whatever i would like for each one of you guys to kind of start off by sharing one mistake that you guys have experienced of course that you're comfortable with i don't want you to you know share too much of your business but whether personally professionally what's what's one mistake that you guys have have had to endure that you guys have had to deal with starting with you job um i've had to endure with um i'm actually now finally you know coming to terms and actually handling it now was um staying time i asked you for too long i think um sometime you know graduated um went to grad school at fam and then the job came right after it, the money was nice but i feel like i should have just got up and left um afterwards because i had an offer um come out of college in Chicago. So um, applying for positions over the past year and a half, trying to leave has been a challenge for me. And I realized, you know, leaving and getting a diverse um, experience in my resume would have been really helpful, but um, that's something I've had to live with. But now I've learned how to um, adjust to it, what to do, proper things to do to get, um, proper things to do to um, be able to move forward and be able to get out of that position, that, that area that I feel com so comfortable in and I'm trying to grow and challenge myself to be uncomfortable and go somewhere else and be, and be better. Okay, okay. How about you, Brittany? Um, 
one mistake that I feel like I made in life was this co this gonna sound kind of harsh, but getting into the child welfare system. Okay. I have two degrees in criminal justice. Um, the first from Florida Memorial, the second one from Nova Southeastern University in investigative forensic technology. So ultimately I love criminal justice and I actually want to work crime scene. Um, I just think I may, I, I, I sometimes feel like I've been in this field for too long. It's gonna be, I think eight, uh, eight years, the end of this year, I believe. To, to most people, eight is not a long time, but to me it's like, I kind of feel like I got sucked in to this field and it's hard to get out of once you get into it. Absolutely. And I have applied over the past few years. I still can't believe we in 2021, but I think since about maybe 2013, I've applied to various police departments and things trying to get different positions. At first, they were substituting education for um work experience but now the roles have reversed now they want you to have the experience and they won't take the educational background so i don't know some days i feel like i'm at a standstill in this field but then again now being that i work where i work with uh ship child protection i feel a little bit more at ease because um based off of the line of work that i do i help prosecute those that physically or sexually abuse the children um in today's society from four month olds up until 17 year olds like the work that i do it definitely counts but some at, at first i used to feel like i'm tired of this i want to get out the field and i apply 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 but you know the door never really got open but i just come to terms with it and i'm like okay god you have me here for a reason so i'm just gonna stay here until you see fit for me to move I think I can relate too because I both have I have both of my degrees in criminal justice as well, and I had no desire to be in social work, no desire. I wanted to go into probations and kind of work up through the the justice system in regards to corrections. I wanted to work for a prison. My dream job growing up was always to be like an assistant warden or something like that. Like I really want to go down that route, and I think applying, moving back to Brevard County, which Jerkir knows not too many options there, but you know going back to Brevard County had no choice and just working, working, working. The only thing, the first thing that, that accepted me was a job in child welfare as a case manager. Mm -hmm. And I always go into something, wanted to give it a hundred percent. Whether it's what I want to do, I'm still want to give it my all. And so utilizing personal experiences and just really want to do your best. I didn't expect to be good at it. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be a B's to a man, B's to ends, do it for two, three years. And then last year made 10 years. And then I was like, I never thought I'd be it this long. But when I started to see the effects that I was having, not because of anything special of my own, I just generally with these cases were prayed to be used and were prayed to be effective. And when I kept seeing the effect, that's what kept drawing me in to stay in child welfare for so long. And then having to go through some negative things in life that kind of shake you up a little bit you know it kind of finally put me over into the healthcare field still doing aspects of social work so i i can definitely relate to that um i think for me if i were to look at some of my mistakes i think that i have sought validation from the wrong places i think that i have given up myself to friendships that I should not have. I think that that has caused me to get in the way of my own blessings, my own um, positive opportunities. 
And it has definitely led me to make some additional mistakes, kind of like becoming like a domino effect. So I'll say for me, that was probably one of my biggest things. I think that going through what I've gone through the last two years, and we'll probably briefly touch on in another topic today, I think that it caused me to really look at my foundation and who has been consistent in that foundation. So that kind of made me realize that these are my standards for the people in my life and not accepting anything less of them as well as holding my own self accountable. So going forward with things we've, mistakes that we've had and, and learn from them. Um, Jokira, how about you? Um, I think that the first one that comes to mind is after college, uh, leaving fam, I decided that I was going to move to Tampa. Um, moving to Tampa wasn't the issue, but it was the reason behind me moving to Tampa was the issue. I moved to Tampa behind a boyfriend at the time without a plan, a job, or anything. Like, I was following him and, fi and felt that I would figure, I would figure it out once I got there. Right. Well, yeah, shortly after I got there, uh, that boyfriend and <laughs> that relationship ended, <laughs> like, very shortly after I got there. So now I'm here in Tampa, no longer with this boyfriend that I followed to get there. Still trying to find a job with a degree. I'm working retail. And I'm just like, this is not what this was supposed to be. Um, but I'm the type of person that once I make a decision, instead of like wallowing in it, figuring out, okay, what's next? And usually if I make a decision, I stick with it. And sometimes that can be to a fault. But, you know, I figure it out. So instead of Instead of leaving Tampa because the relationship didn't work, I stayed in Tampa. I stayed in Tampa for three, you know, for three years. Worked retail, but then also found another job um, uh, doing finance. So and once I worked through finance, but the interesting thing was while I was in Tampa, I believe it was, I, f I found it as a stepping stone. So I feel like those three years in Tampa pretty much pre prepared me for the life and um, experience to be in DC or in the DC area now, because definitely much faster pace, um, a little more, you know, cutthroat in this area. And I believe having to stand on my own and figure these things out in Tampa were, was the preparation for me to get here. Yeah, I definitely. Sure. That is, that's, yeah, that's very much true. I, I'll leave that. Jonathan, how about you, sir? So I'm going to stay in the whole, uh, you know, professional space as well. And I'll say for me, uh, I left Tallahassee in 2015. So um, here we are, what, uh, dang, six years later now. Well, coming up on six years later. So um, a lot of my friends are, you know, been finished law school. I have a friend that's uh, about to become a, uh, uh, what do you call it, the animal doctors again? Veterinarian. Uh, Veterinarian, yeah, I can't <laughs> think of it right now. <laughs> right, right, veterinarian. So, you know, for me, I've always been very ambitious, you know, had uh, high goals and um, even growing up, like I, I want to be an attorney, more so because they made a lot of money per se, but, you know, that was on the list, you know, go graduate, get some work experience and then get right back into school. And 
you know, I haven't moved on, on that as uh, quickly as I, I probably could have. Um, so I think that that's something that, you know, looking back, I probably would have handled differently. And I'm, you know, grateful for my career and the opportunities that I've had. Um, I also uh, recently started my, my business, which I'm most uh, passionate about traveling. So, um, you know, exposing other people to having the opportunity to um, travel and experience different things around the world. That's something I want to do long term. So, um, but I would say just focusing on that a little bit earlier. And, um, you know, if I was going to decide to continue, um, you know, with school going, going straight through as opposed to um, taking so much time in between. And let me just say that for you to start a business and traveling and Jock know where I'm going, that is quite important for you because God knows you always traveling somewhere. Every time I <laughs> yeah. turn around, you are in somebody's country. And it's like an inside joke in our little group. We'll be like, okay, so what country are you in today? So, I, But I, yeah. I, I think that's dope. You use the passion and now you turn it into a income. That's amazing. Yeah, and then started it. I started in the middle of, of, of the uh, pandemic. So things are starting to open up now. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Yeah, definitely happy for you. What are some common mistakes that you guys have seen people make? Whether it's personally, professional, what would be some common mistakes? I think for me, I would probably say relationship choice. That's a major one. Yeah. How about you, Jakir? Anything you've seen? Other than relationship? Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm, you know, I'm drawing a blank right now, but. We'll come back to Kira, Jock. I would say um, comparing. I think uh, yeah. one thing that a lot of us do um, when we got a college and we're going to our careers, we're seeing our different, me, for example, I don't, I caught myself when I try to do it one time, but I have a bunch of friends who are attorneys, who are, they got, they got their doctors, they're getting to, they're going to rest, they're engineers, they got all these great big jobs and, you know, they're making great money, but, you know, I'm like, you know, they're actually making $150,000 too, like my friends, but what we have to realize is everyone's blessings come at different times. Um, some of them were able to get out of college and be engineers and go to great, great training med school and be able to get those opportunities where, you know, I, I was, you know, I had to sit back, you know, go to, go to grad school, get work in higher education for a while. And now I'm about to get my big opportunity. So it's like, every, and when you compare that causes you going to depression, that causes you to doubt yourself, that causes you to doubt your ability at the end of the day. Not all of us were, were, were ever going to make one eighty to $200,000 a year. But some of us were, we're going to be able to make $67,000, $70,000. But that's what God's purpose, that's what he wanted us to be at. So I think the big thing people make are comparing to others around them and trying to leave a lifestyle because social media is the biggest, is the biggest drug. Um, because you see Moses on vacation, um, you want to go to, oh, go to Aruba, you want to go somewhere too, but you don't know how long Moses saved up for that vacation. Um, because people, you, you see me buying a pair of Gucci shoes, Louis shoes, whatever you mean buying, or I'm at, or you want to go buy one with, with your, I guess, your stimulus, which is not your stimulus check, but yes. you don't know how long I save for, for that, that pair of shoes or that pair of belt or whatever. And I think that's the thing is Instagram, Twitter, they build this false reality of what, what the world, what, what real life really is and that people get caught up in that mess and that they start comparing and they start killing themselves when your blessing could be a year, two years, six months, two weeks down the line, but you're blocking that blessing because you're trying to compare and, and live like, like you're somebody that you're not. 
Absolutely. Um, preach. How about you, Brittany? Any you said what about me? Any common mistakes you've seen people make? Um, financial mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, people like uh, Jock said, you know, they get into this facade of faking it till you make it. Uh, don't fake it till you make it, baby, because if you ain't got it, you just ain't got it. I, I know of people who have purchased vehicles that they can't afford, but that's their dream car. I understand that's your dream car, but what are you neglecting so you can maintain that dream car? You know, you have to have balance when it comes to finances and, you know, relationship-wise and also job-wise. You know, we get in these positions and we find complacency. We're comfortable because, oh, prime example, county jobs. Oh, I work for the county. I work for the county. That's good and all, but are you moving up in the county? Hmm. My particular job, people have been there 18, 19, literally 18, 19 hmm. years. There's two um two people that recently got promoted one had been there for 15 years the other one been there for 18 years it took 18 years for you to become a supervisor you got mm -hmm. you became complacent within your you know job space which obviously you know the, whatever they, they they had whatever things they had going on within you know hr and all that stuff as to why it took so long to you know, open up positions and allow people to be promoted because actually my supervisor, when I started there three years ago, she had been there. She retired. I think she was there for almost 30 years. So you got one person that retired at 30 years. So boom, another slot becomes open. So now somebody else can apply for that position and, you know, so on and so forth. So we become complacent in employment, complacent in relationships and complacent in finances. We compare and we contrast different things. And I 100% agree with job as far as the social media um, component is concerned because I too have fell victim to social media when it comes to relationships. Oh, I'm a sucker for love, honey. I'm a sucker for people that travel with their significant others. They taking these bomb photos and you know, they, vacations and family <laughs> vacations and you know, they out with the kids and things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I get stars in my eyes when I, when, you know, when I used to see stuff like that. And I did, honest, from speaking from truth and honesty, I got into a depress depressive mode looking at that stuff on social media. Materialistic, I don't too much care about. Like we had everything growing up, but the love aspect, I was like, I would get sick. Like, dang, why that ain't me yet? Like, well, where my bay at? Like, why I ain't on no vacation? Like, you come on, you know, like you you know a little bit more about my background. So I, I do feel like that's a that's a big, you know, hindrance in our life. But I also feel like church is a is 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 a is a thing that people neglect, that they fall, you know, by the wayside when it comes to that because of church hurt. People have a tendency to not go back to church because of something that happened five years ago with their family members or things of that sort and they just go haywire listen we all got to put god at the center of everything that we do bible says seek ye first the kingdom of god so i feel like you know that that's that's also an issue where people make mistakes that i don't know any i don't know everybody's you know spiritual or religious preferences on this you know zoom or things of that sort but as you can tell i am a christian and i do believe in God, the Alpha and Omega, and I believe that everybody should, you know, serve one God. It might be Buddha, it might be Confucius, or whoever, the sun, the moon, the Aries, the Taurus, or whatever it is people want to serve, but I serve King Jesus, and I feel like that's the issue 
with today's society as well. Like the, the world is just in turmoil and it's just too, it's too many factors. Like this conversation could go on and on and on with so much mm-hmm. different input that right. it will blow your mind. So right. I, I just, I agree with y'all. And yeah, yeah there's like so right. many different things that you can add to it. Yeah, absolutely. One quote that I want to read um, is one thing that I said in this particular chapter is, it's not quite beneficial to keep it all in. Don't try and be a quiet fixer. Mistakes often have side effects and pretending that it didn't happen is dangerous. Ooh. Yeah. What do you think about what I just said? What do you think about those words? Um, I believe it is definitely real and true. Um, it hits kind of, it hits personal because I think that I tend to be one of those quiet fixers um, where I find myself it's like suffering in, in silence, so to speak. I'm a person, but I, I give myself to many people because like that's just the type of person I am as far as like a listener and helping people right. through giving advice or opinions as they ask through their situations. Um, but usually when I have my own issues, I usually just stay to myself um, and, it, and, it, it, and it, it does become quite heavy. And like has led to uh, moments of anxiety to the point where you just like break down and like um, literally in tears to like uncontrollable, um, no, can't really figure out, have no rhyme or reason why it's happening. As a matter of fact, this actually has happened to me probably about a month ago. Um, I'm just sitting watching TV and just burst out in tears. I mean, like bawling. Um, and that happened for like a, like two or three days. Oh, wow. But if to pinpoint or to ask me exactly why or what was wrong, I can yeah. tell you. But I could say there were a lot of things that were piling up between work, just like probably, probably this pandemic, being in this apartment constantly all the time, can't go nowhere or whatever. But um, I think it, yeah, like, holding things in is definitely tough and it shouldn't be something that, you know, if, even if you seek, if you don't want to talk to a friend, if you have a therapist that, you know, can let those things out. Um, I do understand and recognize those things, but it's like when, for so long, I've been that type of person to keep it in. So um, I guess getting, breaking out of that habit is hard too, but I, I, I agree. I agree with this statement. Um, yes. How about you, Jonathan? What do you think? Um, yeah, I definitely identify a lot with um, you know, what Shakira just shared. I'm very um I can be that same way in terms of like internalizing a lot. And I think that um, you know, just with the pandemic and everything, a lot of our regular interactions, like you said, with going to church on a consistent basis. I was raised in the church my entire life. So like this entire period is like the most you know, I've gone in life where that hasn't been a part of my regular, um, you know, regular um, interaction. So, you know, I guess you have, you know, you're, you're virtual and you have, you know, you still interact with your friends and family. But a lot of times when you hold that in, again, those people are there to support you. So you have to know, you know, who those people are. And once you have, a, you know, a, a, a clear assessment of that, you have to trust them and, um, you know, to provide that, to provide that support. Um, 
So it's definitely something that I'm working on and um, improving it. And what we were saying before, um, it kind of ties both together is um, like misprioritization, I think. So, you know, looking at, you know, oh, well, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with this person. I, I need to, you know, social media is, is a, a whole conversation in it, in it of itself. Right. Um, but then outside of it, on the spiritual side, you know, we focus on, you know, just having a good time, whatever the case may be, as opposed to, you know, really getting centered within ourselves, getting centered with God and really, you know, being in tune with what we should be doing. So I think that, again, putting that focus and really prioritizing uh, that self-awareness as well as being connected to whatever your um, spiritual source is, um, you know, does a lot to address that. Um, and then, like I said, just connecting with, with your circle. I think we all have gotten to where we are in life by being centered in something in one way, shape, or form, but also having role models. And so I think that one of the next topics I want to talk about is role models. I think that's very important to have role models, not just personally, but professionally, and even sometimes spiritually. When you think of what a role model is, how would you define to you, Jock, what a role model is? Uh, well, what a, a role model is someone um, that you cannot just look up to, but somebody that's that's a mentor. A role model doesn't have to be. Uh, um, I think one thing that we they have to be old. Oh, they have to be a Jay Z, or they have to be uh, um, a Warren Buffett. Or somebody, I mean, that's a great role model to have. But model means that's that's in your household. Um, it could be your dad, it could be your mom, it could be your uncle, it could be your cousin, your younger cousin. Um, and it could be somebody that basically just helps you. No matter that you can look up to that, their, their, their story, um, their situation, their drive, um, their, their journey motivates you. They become your role model. That's what you look up to. Not to, I know with me, my parents, my role model, because, you know, they always tell me to try to be better than them. So mm -hmm. I see what they've done. They help me get to the point that I am. What can I do to help them to help myself, but also help them to get to, to the next level. So it doesn't have to, role model that, that small or big you can look up to, who can also mentor you, but at the same time, you know, it can help you elevate and, and go into the next phase of your life. What does a role model mean for you, Brittany? Um, a role model to me is someone who um, encourages you and helps push you to the limits. Someone that has, um, you know, that tenacity, that has that drive and hunger for success whether it's um, success in a business, in a business success in a professional role, or success in a prefer, um, a spiritual aspect of life, um, to me, like Jock um, said, a role model can be anyone—a family member, a friend, a colleague. Uh, it could be a famous person too, or you know, that's other people's preferences. But for me, um, my role model would actually be one of my sorors who's actually, who she works for the government, like one of the top three agencies of the government. And for me, her being my role model was the way that she carried herself as a woman of God. You know, she mentored me when I was at my lowest points and she was one of the people that was able to identify like, okay, Brittany's not herself. Like she low key don't let herself go and you know, we don't do that around here. Like you gotta carry yourself with class and dignity and you know some righteousness. But um, <laughs> to me, a role model can be anyone. It could be my next door neighbor because I see how strong she is with her children. Being a single parent, 
And you know, that may give me some encouragement. God forbid if I was ever a single parent, like, okay, I can do this because she can do this. And you know, X, Y, and Z. So someone that, that really there to listen and support you, even in a time of struggle. And someone that could identify when you're struggling, not someone that's just gonna look over, you know, okay, she, she all right. I mean, she just having a bad day today. What if that bad day was actually a couple of months or a couple of weeks, you know, maybe even a year. So you want somebody that can identify when you're having issues, but also someone you can go to to listen for and for support and, you know, for fun and for laughter and to have good times with. Someone you could ultimately make memories with. Jokira, if you had to think of one person who was your role model, who would you pick and why? Um, honestly, I think I would, I would say my mom and, um, and that aspect would be, um, just her calmness and her softness of like dealings with, um, with people like being very caring and generous. Um, and I just feel that that is something that it's like a good energy. So like you, those, those are good vibes and energy that you, you put out into the universe. And essentially, as you move through the world, um, these are things that'll come back to you in a positive light. Um, she, she's very mild. Um, but, you know, at the same time, don't get it twisted. You know, you ain't gonna try her. Right. But it's just, just in the way like she handles different situations. Um, and I, I find myself even in moments of that might get me a little round up to like I like she embodies me and I stop and pause for a second take a breath you know think about what's going on logically rationally before you know barking out a response or answer so um yeah I would say my mom you know the answer because you know when I would go back home to certain events you know I, I would see her at events and stuff and I've always felt like you reminded me of her would you say that your brothers are more like your dad? Um, no, to to an extent. Um, like, um, my 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 younger brother particularly, probably. So when they're angry, they're very much like my dad. My dad is very you know very headstrong, very like loud, boisterous, or whatever. But for the most part, actually, me and my brothers uh -huh. um, take after my mom in a sense of she has this, she does have a sense of um, just calmness and that, that calmness and that nonchalant like demeanor right. at, at certain times. Like, um, I think we have that for the, for the most part, but it's what, but what we get from my dad is, you know, if you hit that switch. Right. Then that others, yeah, yeah. Be ready. Right. Be ready. Um, <laughs> but definitely, I try to approach more situations with her in mind. Okay. Jonathan, who would you say is one of your role models and why? Um, so I'll first have to say my parents. Um, it's crazy because, you know, when you're growing up and they're so hard on you and just right. everything that right. it right. you like, annoying. Oh <laughs> <laughs> but as an adult and, you know, I don't have any kids yet, but I just see how different things have are now reflected in my life and, you know, the pressure and, you know, how hard that they were on me that led me to, you know, where I'm at at this point. So, you know, I'm just extremely grateful to have both my mother and my father. Uh, it's like fire and ice. Uh, <laughs> my mom, everybody, you know, loves her. 
Um, and my dad, everybody loves him too, but he's definitely a little bit more, you know, chill and reserved. So um, I take that both aspects of, of their personality on. Uh, I also, not to be cliche, but I'll say President Obama. Um, so 2008, um, you know, he ran and won and just, you know, really observing that, uh, that really was impactful on me and, you know, my uh, career aspirations and wanting uh, to work in government and to eventually run for office. Um, so seeing the way that, um, you know, not a, not just the way he handled himself professionally, but the way that he took care of his family, the way that um, he was just an upstanding, you know, individual to the community, um, the way he was able to inspire others. So um, like everybody else shared earlier, um, you know, a mentor, uh, not a mentor, uh, a role model is someone, you know, that inspires you to do, to do more, to do uh, greater. And um, now in my own life, as I serve as a, a mentor um, to my mentees that are now graduating from uh, college and just doing different things in life, right. um, you just never know, you know, what spark or what impact that you can have on, on, on others' lives. So, you know, the key thing, obviously, is just making sure that, um, you know, you live life in such a way that you can be a role model in all ways. And um, I think like some of you all shared as well, you know, every conversation is not formal and, you know, a check-in of how your grades, this, that, and the other, you know, it's just about, you know, having a, a, you know, support system in life and, you know, knowing that you have that person that you can call and, you know, check in with and follow up with and, you know, ask about the things that, because, I mean, at the end of the day, somebody else has already been wherever you want to go. So, Absolutely. you know, as long as you can create that path for them, I'm doing the right thing. I think for me, I would have definitely have to say that my role models uh, were my grandparents. You know, you had two individuals, one who came from the backwoods of Alabama, my grandmother, the other who came from um, the Everglades here in, in, in Florida, but grew up very poor. And all I remember was growing up in Brevard County, what, about 10 minutes from Shakira, and we had a nice house big yard. We had a house in another part of town that, you know, we rented out. We took trips all the time. My grandmother was an engineer at a company called Harris. My granddad had his own landscaping business. So that's what I knew. But when I got to know the story, my grandmother was 11, 12 years old, growing up in the backwoods of Alabama in the 30s, where, or early 40s, where, you know, her family were sharecroppers. You know, they had to pick cotton. She's 11, 12 years old, picking cotton, just thinking has something to eat. And growing up in a place where she grew up by her grandparents, you are used to chickens and, 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 and hogs and just that whole environment. And then moving her, my great-grandmother moved to Brevard County to work and hopefully build a better life. She then went and got my grandmother and her siblings. And then my grandmother started having her life, you know, and just growing up or in the projects, met my granddad at 18, got married at 19, um, and was married, you know, un un until she died, although they separated, that was a whole different conversation, but, you know, they were married and they were together under the same roof for 50 something years, you know, and they worked hard, raised five kids. Nobody ever knew they was poor or, or, or had a modest upbringing because they worked hard to give their kids the best of everything. All my uncles and aunts played sports. They were in activities. Then they raised me, a grandchild, and 
I was in some of everything, you know, so seeing how you work hard and you can come from the bottom and have the life that they live, but also have, not to say richness, but generational wealth in the sense that you raise your kids and because the foundation you set, your kids are good, your grandkids are good. But you grew up poor with no education. My granddad didn't go past high school. My grandmother only had a little CN, well, now they call it a CNA, but back then she just had like a little nursing tech situation. But that's the life that they built for themselves. And, and, and for me, just that integrity and that hard work. And I know, you know, some of you guys speaking about your parents and, and just how they handle situations with. Me, something bad happens, it's probably, well, up until, you know, I, I started becoming a new person, it's the end of the world. I can get angry real quick, I can fly off the handle real quick, something negative happened, I'm probably depressed and, you know, whatever, whatever, and I, I never understood how something negative and bad could happen, and she just even feel, laid back, no expression, I want to be loud and want to tell something, you just sitting here talking about something, let's pray, pray to who? You know, and then just speaking on faith, I never understood how this woman could have so much faith and it seemed like your husband done did your own, your husband done did X, Y, Z, your kid's disrespectful, your grandchild hard-headed as hell and you want to send him back to his mama some days, I'm sure. And then, you know, you, you, you're still trying to maintain a certain lifestyle with an income that is, is not what you're used to, you know, and then you still... You're the grandmother, you're the matriarch. So you want to be there for any and everybody. You give everybody your heart and soul. And just that level of, of faith has definitely um, been something that has gotten me through. It has definitely been a role model for me. Um, but I think more than nothing else, I don't care what happens to me. And I know Jakiri and Brittany can attest, I don't care what happens to me. And I'm going to have those moments where I may be down, I may feel like it's in the world, but for some reason, I've always been able to find something that pushes me to want to fight through, pushes me to want to work hard through whatever that obstacle is. And I, I've never been a stranger to hard work. My grandma has always worked hard. My granddad has always worked hard. So I've never been a stranger to hard work. I like to work hard. I like to have, I like to get up in the morning and go to work and work for, you know what I'm saying, a job. I don't want to be on government assistance and I, I, I. I'm pretty sure we all know at least one person who's probably content with that. For me, I want to go to work and I want to earn mine. And so that is just something that I say I would got from them as my role model. And, you know, just speaking of my grandmother, that does lead into um, the next subject that I will say um, I did not want to talk about, but I felt like it will be important. Um, I also felt like I would be comfortable enough because of my relationship with the five of you, even though Jock is probably a new kid on the block when it comes to my life, but I do feel comfortable enough to talk about this next subject. The next subject is grief. Um, no secret to the five of you that, um, you know, 2019, I lost my grandmother, and that was for me like I lost my mom. And I think for me, although it wasn't my first time experiencing grief, like, you know, I've lost classmates, I've lost family, friends, I lost, you know, like distant relatives, but it was never that close to home. And so for me, when it happened, my life was already stressful as hell, just with some other stuff. So when that happened, I thought it was the end of the world. I gave up on everything. I was angry. I was sad. And what I didn't realize was 
Ramon is no longer in control. I'm so used to being in control of my emotions. I'm so used to being in control at work. I've always had these side endeavors, so I'm so used to being in control of that. But for me, it's not being in control of my emotions. I hate showing emotions in front of people. You give me the cry in front of people, I'm, I'm going to be mad. Because I, I, did, I used to hate to show that emotion. Now it's like, whatever. I don't restrict myself. Whatever emotion I'm, I'm feeling at the moment, you're going to get that emotion. But I think for me, what I learned from that was I'm not in control. This is definitely not something that's going to end overnight. Because even if something bad happens to me, I'm used to pushing through, throw myself into work, throw myself into some kind of goal, and eventually I get over it. So I think. And, you know, it was like, I remember it was like a roller coaster ride. And I could laugh at certain aspects of it now because I used to feel like I was bipolar as hell because I could be in a great moment. And we could just be sitting here chopping it up just as fast as I blink my eye, I could be angry. Then I could be sad about something. Then I could go back to laughing and seem like I'm the regular Ramon. And then once again, I can go back to, you know, being sad and crying. And it never got better. And I think because we're all, you know, we all love the Lord. We all have some aspect of religious relationship. I think for me, I was so angry and resentful at God because I said, here I am already going through what I already felt was the worst part of my life. And whenever anything bad happens to me, the first person I turn to, the main person I turn to, you've now taken that person from me. What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to make it through this? And all of my friends, all of my relatives, they had each other. They had their wives, their girlfriends, their siblings, but I was down here in Miami by myself. And so that made it even worse. And even my close friends, you, you know, they were all a state or they were in other cities. And so, you know, you have those, those moments of feeling lonely. You have those moments of just being broken, but I was still going to work. I took two days off. And I still went to work because I was so used to throwing myself as a social worker. I was so used to throwing myself into fixing and bettering other people's lives. That was a safety net for me. That was something that was a, a, a much needed or welcome distraction. And that was even hard for me to do. And so now I feel like you've taken my number one person. You've taken all of my scapegoats. You've taken all of my positive alternatives how am I supposed to make it through this? And now I'm supposed to trust you because I was born and raised in the church and I've definitely seen many times how he has definitely kept me, but then I have resentment towards you. So now I have to deal with this warfare every day. And so I think that that's probably some of the aspects that a lot of people probably deal with with grief. Um, you know, and, and I won't keep dwelling on, on, on those aspects. I may come back to it, but I'm just curious. Have any of you guys ever dealt with any aspect of grief? Uh, I'll start with your care. <laughs> um, so yes, um, and it, it uh, in the same in well, not necessarily exact same, but definitely with death. Um, my mom's oldest sister. Um, we called her Big Big Annie, um, and she was like a mother figure granted she she lived in the bahamas but even though she lived in the bahamas but every i went i went to the bahamas every summer um when i was younger <laughs> excuse me and um 
you know, she just looked, she just always looked after us. And um, she, um, she, she was very close and like, um, she always came over and visit and she, she came, she came over from, for graduations. Um, and she always traveled with her husband and, you know, like she, she, she was everyone's favorite aunt. Um, but then, um, they found a tumor in her brain and she had surgery. Um, but it returned and it just became, you know, it was just a down and she was a very, very proud woman. So like her going down and then not being able, like her speech, you know, it affecting her speech and everything's like that. She didn't want to talk cause she didn't like the way she sounded. And I mean, it just came to a point where and when she passed and actually, um, you know, that, that, that in itself was um, very hard. And then, um, but another time like specifically would like really hit as far as like depression was, you know, a breakup of what I probably would consider like my first true love and um, grief to the point of like, all I wanted to do was sleep. I did not want to live through the day-to-day life. Like my days were best when I was asleep. When I had to wake up and I had to live, yeah, live through the day. Like those were the worst moments. Wasn't eating. Now, when I was younger, like, you know, I'm, I ain't no big girl. So I was already small. And so not eating, like getting down, I'm what? I'm around that time, I might have been, what, 20, 24, 25? No, well, probably 22, 23, I think. Between 22 and 24, let's say that. But I'm like 97 pounds because I'm not eating. Um, and just crying myself to sleep, but um, like you like you mentioned, Ramon, but throwing myself into work yeah. to try to keep busy. So I was living in Tampa and working two jobs. So I'm going from one job from seven to four, and then leaving that job, go di- directly to retail and working there from five to nine. By the time I get home, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. So all I do is, you know, all I'm doing is sleeping, and then getting up the next day and doing it all over again. Right. But that definitely ran me into the ground. And I was very short with people, very snappy because I wasn't getting rest. So, um, yeah, definitely have dealt. And I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, I don't want us or anyone to focus or think that grief is just one thing. It is very much the loss of a loved one, a relationship, um, divorce, um, to be honest, for some people, a loss of a pet. Some people are very bonded to their pets, and that can be a form of grief for them. Loss of a job. That's mm-hmm. another form of grief. I can say that I've dealt with, but that, that is also a form of, of, of grief, but also loss of a friendship. You know, you may have a 10, 15-year friendship or whatever, you know, amount of time it lasted. And a lot of times you have to grieve the loss of a friendship. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, some things don't last forever. It's the time the season. And I'm sure a lot of us have or maybe some of us have had friendships that it's been hard to let go, but we had to, you know. So just in think about that, you know, how about you, Jock? Have you dealt with any form of grief? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think um one of the main ones is, you know, coming to the US, you know, it wasn't that was supposed to be exciting for me. Um, 
and I think coming here, you know, I think, you know, my grandmother to like me, my my uh, my aunts, like my family, and I think the grief was, you know, and seeing how, you know, when you when you in a different country, you know, you should, you know, the, the U.S., you know, that that's the American genius, so you want to be here, you know, that's, and then um, it's like, I'm from Haiti, we had a great job, my dad worked at a port, he was a manager at a port, and he made a lot of money, my mom was, I had a maid, I had a nice house in Haiti, and, you know, I thought, you know, the American, what's, what's better than this? You know, going to America and having a couple of mansions and, you know, living your best life, but that's the complete opposite. Um, right. Um, the complete yeah. opposite. And, you know, thinking that you're going to have that family support and then, you, and then realize when you come, you know, the person that brought you here is causing different issues and problems to your mom who don't really speak English, dad don't really speak English. And it, it hurt and it sucks. And it's because, you know, it's, it's my mom's mom. It's my mom's sister who... You know, me and, you know, me and my sister and my brother are, I mean, I'm first generation college students to graduate. I have two master's degrees. My sister's about to get her bachelor's degree um, this upcoming May from FAMU. My brother's about to go to high school next year. We're, we're typically good kids, you know. We're, we are good kids. Of course, when we're growing up at 15 years, I was fighting in high school and getting suspended. I mean, we didn't do that, you know, like. Right. I was doing all that, but it's like that was that is still being held against us. That's still being held against my sister. That's still being held against my parents. But you know, it hurts. You know that you know I can't go to give my family. I can't because I don't really care for them. You know, I've cut that relationship because I realized growing up that this is not healthy for me or my parents or my sister or my parents to try to rebuild it. But my me and my sister was like, you know what, we're gonna keep you all over there. You know, um, I've tried to repair it and it's like it's still not working. So I think that grief of you know losing that they're still alive but you know i had to come to terms with the fact you know not all family is good family whether it's blood or not um so i realized you know like sometimes what i learned through therapy was blood is not family does not mean blood so you know i've had i have great friends i have great people in my life who we don't come from the same vagina we don't come from we don't come from the same family we don't come from this we're not fam, we're not blood related family but we are Definitely family. So I've come to find that comfort with my, my best friend's mom being like a grandmother, a mother figure to me. Besides my my, my only my, my mother. So it's just like you know, I have my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother. But it also hurts that you know, and I had about that grief of family is not always you know blood, <clears throat> and that, that blood started my family. My mom started the family. Go let my grandma go, and realize you know it's never going to work. But coming to that peace, that comfort, of, you know. Letting that go and moving forward. So yes, that. I, I, I like. I'm glad that you touched on that because I'm sure you definitely have relationships where at least one or two friends, but blood couldn't have made us no thicker. That is, oh my goodness, Moses. <laughs> have you any forms of grief? Um. Yeah. Um. So I have. Uh, my brother actually was born. Um. When I was uh, five, and he passed when I was seven. So that was something that, um, you know, obviously took a, a big toll on my parents. And, you know, as a kid, like I didn't, you know, necessarily understand how to process um, all those different things or, or the toll that it took um, on them. But it was always something that was in the, in the back of my mind. Like, yeah, I remember as a kid, like I didn't want to ask for a lot of stuff at Christmas or, you know, just different things like that, just because, you know, I knew that everything that my parents were um, dealing with. So, Fast forward to college, um, one of my biggest fears was um, losing like all of the elders in my family around the same time. And, um, you know, everything was in, in God's timing, but it was a difficult season. Um, my mom lost her mom 
and then my dad lost both his parents and his sister within like um like two years so it was a lot like and then on top of my grandmother um she had dementia on um, my, my father's side so you know he would drive back and forth from from care city so he would drive back and forth from my gardens to city to take care of her and you know again it was just a lot of seeing him go through through that process so for me um again just trying to stay connected to to christ and you know pray about it learn uh meditate um and just trying to find some peace and um you know staying connected to to the people i knew that like you i said um not necessarily my blood family but my best friends um who were there to support me through that process as well so you know as they say death unfortunately is a part of life um and it, it does come but I'm also glad that uh, Jock mentioned the whole therapy thing. I think that's something that as a community we need to incorporate more of. Um, also, it was brought up about the, the whole church hurt thing earlier. You know, so often it's, oh, just pray about it. You know, go to the altar and, you know, everything's just going to be okay. That's not always the case. Um, so you definitely have to find um, and you find and then use the tools necessary to um, work through those things. And, you know, it's, it's a continuous thing uh, for all of us but you know that's a little bit of, of um, my experience the last five years or so. I think that's important I can definitely say that therapy and prayer <laughs> has definitely helped me um, I definitely too know what it's like to come from a community and a family where you know you pray it out you know you don't go to therapy you don't talk about your feelings and emotions um, but I think it's very important. I think that that's one of the disservices we do in our community is, is telling people to just, um, just pray it away and, and, and not recognizing mental health, not recognizing just the need for therapy. Not to say that you have to do full on multiple sessions, but just talking to somebody at least just one time. You know, one thing I wanna, one thing I wanna read about grief is it's just a little simple quote. And it says, grief never ends, but it changes. It's a passage, not a place to stay. Grief is not a sign of weakness, nor a lack of faith. It is the price of love. I want to say that just for me personally, um, from Rekira and Brittany, and just the conversations um, that you guys have had with me, whether it's been texting or whatever time of the day, you know, I've always just appreciated that and the authenticity, me being able to vent, um, the mood swings, the uh, ups and downs. We can talk about God. We can talk about foolishness. We can talk about reality shows. We can talk about all kinds of stuff in between. I've always appreciated that. That's always been the consistency with that. You know, as far as job, you know, you kind of came around or came into my life towards the tail end of it. So you miss most of the bipolar aspects of it. But <laughs> I can say just the way that you um, opened up, made your safe available. You know what's so interesting about him, though, is that I first met him and he was going through something. And just having conversation, you know, just me opening up and being there, he actually gave me, just from conversation, it couldn't have been nothing but God. But I wanted to show y'all. And I didn't even know what made him give me this because I didn't even feel like I shared enough for him to think I needed it. But I guess God knew that I did. And it's a book called 
um, Jesus Calling. And it's the, can y'all see? It's the devotional. Mm -hmm. um, he gave it to me, I think it was in July. And I literally read it every day. It goes to work with me. And I said to myself, only God knew for this person who at that time, I think I'd only known for maybe a few weeks. I don't think I'd even known him a month at that time. And so for God to use him to give me that, I thought that was very important. Um, as far as Jonathan, you know, I've always been appreciative for him and his line because I remember when I first met them, um, there was a particular night where I felt the need to be open. And it was so weird because I had been ha I had some Hennessy. And so I didn't understand. I'm just thinking I'm going to be the regular, you know, Ramon. You know what I'm saying? And for some reason, in the midst of the Hennessy, I felt the need to open up about something. Mm -hmm. And I remember going home, waking up the next morning, I said, why the hell? Of course, I used some other words. I said, why the hell did I share that? These folks finna think I'm batshit crazy. But they was receptive to it. I wasn't judged by it. Um, if anything, it probably made us closer, had more respect. But one thing I appreciate was when my grandmother died and I came back, and this is the last time I talk about this, but, and I came back to Miami, um, I think I texted one of his line, but I can't remember. And I was just talking about, you know, just, I'm very particular about who I'm around, very particular about my energy, you know, being Brittany, you talk about that a lot. You know, we know how we feel about some of our respective organizational people. So, you know, I'm very particular about around. Oh yeah, Jaquil has a conversation too. So I said, you know, I wouldn't mind getting up, you know, and just meeting up with some of y'all because I hadn't seen them in so long. And, you know, there, there's just a, an attachment I have to them. Mind you not, it's 10 people, 10 Negroes. It's hard sometimes to get three, four people together, let alone 10. And I remember one of them setting up, it was either one of my sons or one of his line brothers, they set up a Taco Tuesday. And I expected to see about three or four of them. And all 10 showed up. And so for me, that meant something. Because I'm in Miami alone. Mm -hmm dealing with my grief, and I'm dealing with other stuff alone. And I'm so used to being there for other people, but I'm not used to being there for me. And all 10 of them, to walk in there, to show, just to want to be there for me, that meant the world. And I would not have been able to make it through 2020, 2019 or 2020, if it wasn't for the 10 of them along with, you know, two other of my sons. Because they were genuine, they were consistent with it. So they did it that day and did it again the next week. But beyond that, I've been able to build relationships individually with them and with them and, and with them as a group. And I don't think they, I mean, I, I think I've, I've tried to be a little more open, so I know I've shared with them how much I appreciate them. But that meant the world, and I always will mean the world simply because I felt like I'm going to make it through this somehow and I'm not alone. And, you know, I, I've always really appreciated you, Jonathan, and your, and, and your line brothers for that. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just, want, I just want to say that, you know, I'm starting more to express to people how I feel about them. You know, I'm not the most sentimental person. So with that being said, I want to go to something that's a little more fun. <laughs> 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 and I want to talk about side pieces oh. and main dishes. So, <laughs> Jock, 
you know, y'all Haitian. Oh, men. For what it looks like to have a successful relationship, but to have successful sad. To have successful <laughs> industries on the side. You know, being an American man, yeah, we tend to kind of look up to y'all Caribbean men because you guys set the example. You guys are known for it. Oh. I'm sure someone, I'm sure someone like yourself probably faithful, you know. <laughs> but, you know, nonetheless, have you been in a situation? <laughs> like, wait, what? Where you have had a relationship but you've also felt to need to have a side piece. Um, I am part of Faithful Black Men Association, but we don't <laughs> cheat. Black men don't cheat. Uh, <laughs> do. Um, love our black sisters, you know, and black queens. You know, we, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we, you know, we put them up. You know, I don't, I just, I don't cheat. I just don't. Let me stop playing. No, but, but let me seriously for real. Um, yes, I have. I'm gonna be honest. I have had um, being a college student. You know. I had to, you know, I'm figuring myself out. You know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, if I want to get married now or get married 50 years down the line, you know? <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> I'm growing, I'm older. You know, my mom always said, your 20s or your time to have fun and figure it out, I'm trying to figure it out. So, yes, I have had a situation where it's not because I'm a Haitian man and, you know, people just see that, you know, we just have a bunch of different girlfriends and different wives, you know, but we don't do that, you know, but, you know? but I've had a situation where I've, I've, I've had side pieces and, Amen. Let me yeah. let me flip it. Have you ever knowingly and willingly been the side been the side dude? hundred percent. Okay. And what made you okay? With, what made you okay with being the side dude? Because I I feel like sometimes you know you says you want to have fun with me. That's fine with me. I don't gotta feed you. I don't gotta do nothing for you. I just gotta show up to your house, do what I gotta do, and go home. <laughs> Does it come with the stress? It doesn't come with the I gotta take care. Of you. I gotta buy you Valentine's. Oh, Valentine's Day, whatever day you want me to come, I'll come. Go back to you and go stress him out. Don't stress me out, though. I'm good. <laughs> so if you stress me out, I remind you what it is. Like, remember what we talked about? This is our situation. And right. I think, you know, being inside, <laughs> you're able to maintain those boundaries and not go too far. Because I'll be a side piece. Hey, what, what, you, what you want from me? What, I'll be there. I'll leave. My, my, I ain't going to come to your business. When you're ever, cool. You like it? I love it. I know. So hello, somebody. Miss Brittany Revere, how about you? Have you ever had a side person? Have you ever been the side person? <laughs> yeah, what you're comfortable with sharing. Oh my. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a side piece. I will be honest and say that. And it was have lovely. You ever been the side <laughs> what you say? It was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I love your honesty. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, have I ever knowingly been a side piece? Yes, and that was lovely too, only because I'm grown. What I, I do as an adult <laughs> is my business. Like my bills was getting paid, I was getting wined and dined, I was going to Houston's, we was going to Jay Alexander's, the uh, <laughs> waterfront, whatever restaurant you could think of. Baby, we gonna eat because I like to eat. Hello, so you, <laughs> you wanna go out? We could do our house and chilies too, but if you want to step it up a little bit, let's go because it's coming out of your pocket. Not to say that I'm, a, you know, a, a gold digger or anything, but 
I ain't gonna turn down no free food or no free money, honey. Hello. Especially you? when you ain't gotta do nothing for it. Hello. Because <laughs> some men just want the attention. They want what they don't get at home. It does not necessarily mean That's that they want sex. If right. a, and I will be honest and say the encounter that I had as far as being as far as having the side piece and being the side piece, they went hand in hand. I was the same, you know, person in regards to that situation ship. And let me tell you something. I ask the question all the time. Why is it that you find yourself so, you know, intrigued or attracted to me or whatever the case may be? And the answer was because the first time that you actually texted me and gave me a chance, you asked me, how was my day? How am I feeling today? Did I eat? Is there anything on my mind? Things of that sort. And whoever they had at that time was not doing those things for whatever reason. I mean, there's always three sides to a story, two truths and a lie. So I could only go, I could only take what, what that person said as face value. But at the end of the day, appreciation goes a long way. And, you know, generosity and just showing someone that you care for them because our men in our African-American cultures and Caribbean and things of that sort, even Hispanics or whatnot, the way that we was raised men, well, the, the, from, from a female perspective, the way that men were raised, especially being raised in a house with three, three brothers, a stepbrother and two, two uh, half brothers who are twins, their mom always told them, shut up, what you crying for? You, you crying like you a little girl, stop crying. And I hate that when parents tell their kids that because now as they are, they are adults in their 20s, the twins are, I think, 26 or 27, and my stepbrother is 31. No, he's, he just turned 30 in December, so he'll be 31 this year. They, 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 it's difficult for them to show emotion. Their emotion is anger. They get angry and upset at everything and they lash out. And then when you try to have a conversation about them to dissect what the issue is, when you really hit that vein, then you realize, you know, I, I just was hurt. My feelings was hurt. And I didn't know how to say that I was hurt. I didn't know how to express myself. Then eventually they start, you know, shedding a little tear or two. So I, I feel like with being a side piece or knowingly or unknowingly or whatever, having an entanglement, as Jada Pinkett would say, <laughs> listen, it's a lot that comes with it. But from my point of view, it had everything to do with appreciation and just being someone that has a listening ear because some people just need somebody to talk to a lot of people carry so many things on their shoulders especially our black men in today's society when they have families to take care of the money looking funny you know they got their parents have health issues or things of that sort they have issues with their you know relatives or whatever the case may be just day-to-day -day life and some people don't take the time out to listen to their significant other. They bombard their significant other with their problems instead of taking a step back and saying, you know what, babe, let me, let me ask you how was your day today. Enough about my day. Enough about my drama at work. Enough about how I feel about the group text that me and my homegirls got going on because one of them pissed me off. Let me see where your mind is at. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean. Jonathan? Yarina said it, uh, you know, entanglements, they kind of happen. They happen. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's a part of life. Um, I know they're married. I had no ring on my finger. Uh, uh, but like uh, Jakira was, I think it was Jakira. No, that was Brittany. I was just saying, um, I think the main thing is just like communication. 
Um, a lot of times, you know, people end up in relationships and then you just, you sticking with it for what, just because y'all been together for this amount of time or whatever the case may have be, been. But, you know, y'all may not, a lot of times people aren't like, you know, equally yoked to that extent right. where they need to actually be together for a long period of time. So, you know, yes, those things, you know, do occur. Now, when I get married, that's a different, uh, different conversation. But for right now, yeah. Situation. Right. Yes. <laughs> Should one be looked down upon if they're okay being the side piece? And I'm not talking about, oh, they're the side piece and they're just giving somebody attention. I'm talking about, you know, there's a man and you sexing and everything and on everything over the side piece. Should they be looked down upon if they're okay with being in that role, Jakira? Um, no. <laughs> um, and I'm going to say no, because if one, if I say yes, then I'd be a hypocrite. But nonetheless, I think that in every individual lives their own life. And if they're okay and it can accept whatever it is that they're doing and it's working for them, then so be it. Like, who am I to tell them how to live their life or what they should be doing with their life? And, um, you know, there's different moments in our lives where, again, like, you know, we may be okay with being a side piece or having a side piece. And there's going to be another time in life where we feel like we don't want to do that anymore. Like that's not, that's not a part of us. And, you know, and I feel like it can go back and forth. Like it's not a like, oh, at 25, you stop having side pieces or dealing with side pieces. And, it, you know, at 35, you must be, you know, a one mate person. Um, but I think it's to each his own. So as far as like looking down on somebody, because you're looking down on somebody because, you know, they, they choose to be a side piece or have a side piece. But what you doing, you may, you know, your your vice may not be the side pieces, but your vice may be something else. We all got one. Hello. Yeah. So, yeah, nah, you, it, it ain't no looking down on nobody for that. Right. <laughs> You know, and I, and, and, you know, this is definitely one of the chapters, and I actually call it a relationship art, because I think some people make it look like it's an art. I feel like it's different levels to it, especially to make it work. It's mm -hmm. different levels to it, especially when you can have a side piece who is content with her role, and she don't try to spill over and mess up the main situation, or even the side dude, because I'm, you know, I'm looking at Jock, I just see in his eyes. I'm pretty sure he's probably had a situation where the side piece tried to mess up the main situation. Something in his eyes is just telling me a story. But nonetheless, <laughs> in talking about <laughs> in talking about some of the pros and cons, I'm going to just read, I think I have like three pros and three cons. I want y'all opinion on it. So three cons, three pros that I came across. You don't have to deal with the BS. I think Jock kind of spoke about that. I ain't got to worry about catering to you. I ain't got to worry about paying no bills. I don't have to worry about your mood swings. I don't have to worry about none of that. The second one is you're incognito. I can do what I got to do. I don't have to be out in public with you. We don't have to go on dates. I don't have to escort you to no, no political gala. It's just whatever in the background. And, you know, that's what it is. Nobody got to know I exist. The other one is unlimited, unlimited supply. If you are a real sad person, you take full advantage of this and you turn it into being a blessing. If you have enough chicks, you will have an unlimited supply of the Hello Kitty. All right. You never have to worry about having blue balls. <laughs> Your game is on point. You can have Shayna on Sunday, Shayla on Monday, Krista on Tuesday, Wendy on Wednesday. 
Jokira on Thursday and Brittany. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> you said one, Ramon. You said you don't talk about five. Right. Well, you know, one a day, one a day. You want you get a little variety. And make sure it's safe. <laughs> and then three of my con, three of my cons is she don't belong to you. And we know at some point Billy's gonna get involved. He or she don't belong to you though. So you can't wanna have territory or, or be controlling over your side piece, because she could be your side piece and somebody else's side piece. And I, I've had some friends I know have issues with that, but she's your side piece. You got a whole man. Why are you mad that she also kicking with so-and-so around the corner? You know what I'm saying? You Like, you don't control her. The second con is you can't tell anyone who you're sleeping with. So you may, you know, a lot of times we get with our friends and we want to brag about who we're in a relationship with or who we're dealing with. You can't really do that because this ain't your man, and you might want to be holding court with somebody who want to blow your spot out because they're jealous or just who got diarrhea of the mouth. And then the other one is you can't count on her or him. For example, if someone is your wife or your girlfriend, you probably have certain expectations. If you go through a rough patch or if you're going through something or, you know what I'm saying, you need somebody to do a favor, run a quick errand for you, cook for you, whatever, whatever. These are more so girlfriend, wife, boyfriend, husband responsibilities. But if he's your side piece or she's your side piece, you can't really put those expectations. You can't really count on them. You're behind, get your, you get a flat tire, and God forbid your wife at work or whatever, you can't necessarily count on him or her to start what they're doing to come save you because they're just a side piece. You know what I'm saying? So what do y'all think about some of those pros and cons, Jakira? So honestly, though, to some of the cons, <clears throat> To some of the cons, like, I, I get it to a certain extent. Like, you know, you're not putting the same um, dependence on them as you might, like, your main mate. Right. Um, however, um, there's a certain extent that I, I feel that should be given or provided because, you're, you, you know, there's still a, a connection. You know what I'm saying? Like, in the event that I needed, even because, because I'm dealing with you, in the event that I needed something, maybe not, like, drop dead, but not, I mean, not drop dead, like, every time. Right. But if it comes a moment where I felt, feel the need that I need to reach out for you, like, because we're dealing with each other, you should still be able to do, yeah, something about that. But um, to the pros, I, I, I agree. Like, they're, they're, they're limited. Like, you, you it's kind of like on your own schedule. Right. You don't have to be – it kind of takes out the monotony or, you know, the routine of a regular, of a regular relationship. Right. So, Jock, have you had a situation where you were – the side piece or you had a side piece and they tried to violate one of these pros me yes you only dropped <laughs> your food oh oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry uh yeah definitely um it happens once it happened once or twice a couple times I think what happens is you know when you doing somebody you know once you use you, you set the balance but sometimes when you start acting you're doing more than you need to first uh -huh. day um then they start feeling like they need to also either sometimes you know emotions get involved you know simple as you know we're doing this with no strings attached and then emotions people catch, catch feelings and then boom then people start thinking they're more than what they are and i think that's that's the issue is you know make sure you know you're reiterating those boundaries 
and setting those lines and saying, you know, they're, they're saying what it is, and what it, it, it is not what you think it is. Just remember the mind that they don't like it, you know, on to the next one. Miss uh, Reveal, mm -hmm. have you ever had a side piece that tried to break one of the cons? Or did or did you break one of the cons? Nope. So you had, I like that. You had groundwork listed. This was on the table. Don't violate that. Don't play stupid. We know what it is. Listen, if I see you in public and you with your old lady, I don't even know you. I ain't going to look your way. And if you see me with somebody other than you, you in my business. Don't do that. <laughs> I, I keep it 100. Listen, right. and it, if we was to go out and we got caught together somewhere, I ain't telling nobody shit. Well, I'm sorry, but I just met this person. We just sat down and we was talking and just so happened to have lunch together or dinner or something. Because guess what, baby? Somebody called my phone. I ain't got no receipts. I ain't got no pictures. I ain't got nothing. Because guess what? You paid everything in cash. I know that's right. Hello, somebody. So I'm curious, Jonathan, have you ever been in a situation where you've been out in public and let's say someone who you're their side piece or they're your side piece, they there with somebody else? Have you ever been in a situation? Like y'all didn't know that each other was going to be there, <laughs> but God darn it, you just so happen to be at the same event or the same venue. Yeah. Um, What's that like? So I think the the main issue again is just catching feelings where you're not supposed to be catching feelings. Um, so I did have someone that uh, kind of did uh, kind of get to that point and she knew, um, of course, where I, you know, I'm at, like locally where I stay, where I kind of go on Friday, Saturday or whatever. And uh, it's a, a public thing, but it's like she kind of like plotted on that. So I did have an issue with that. So I'm like, you can't just, you just popping up on me now. Like, but you know, we handled it um, or whatever, but yeah, you just gotta know your place, like you said. We're keeping it, keep it a hundred. Um, you know what it is, and um, yeah, respect those boundaries. Have you guys have you guys ever had a fatal attraction type of situation, or like a thin line between love and hate, or maybe not so severe? No, like a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> or they retaliate in a way, bash them tires, key your car, ride on your. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I've come close. I've come close. Okay. But not being the perpetrator or the victim? Being the perpetrator. <laughs> wow. Hey, tell the truth, friend. I love um, it. <laughs> but I I held held myself from going through with it. But I was I was close. Uh-huh. I was very close. Was it in was it in Tampa? Um no. <laughs> You was about to get, get ready to do the Angela Bassett on them? Listen, well, it, it, well, it wasn't so the, what the issue was it was like a, a New Year's night I was having conversation with my boyfriend at the time but you know dialogue stopped and I'm trying to understand why you're not oh. You're not responding to me. Nice. I'm trying to say you Happy New Year and all that jazz, but you're not responding. So I'm going to drive by your house. I drive by your house. Whose car is this? So it's the extra car in the driveway. Mm. 
I knew whose car it was. Oh, wow. Yeah, so nonetheless. But I, and you know, being mad, was mad that night, but actually went back the next morning. But nonetheless, I, I did not damage anybody's property. Um, you didn't damage anybody's car, but you get somebody else to do it? No. Uh, no, I didn't. I just had very evil thoughts. That's as far as it went. I never actually executed anything. <laughs> listen, listen. I really appreciate y'all. That is it for tonight. I ain't gonna keep you guys no longer. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Brittany, Jonathan, Jakira, Jop, thank y'all so much for <laughs> supporting me with this and open up and sharing and just this was enjoyable. I really appreciate y'all. Thank you so much. You it was are. definitely fun. Thank you for having us. I enjoyed everybody's feedback. Thank you all for sharing. Absolutely. Y'all take care. Y'all have a good night. Thank you, everybody. All right. Good night. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for The Zone today. We are officially shutting it down. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. And until next time, remember this. Anybody who's disturbing your peace needs to be released from your life to go storm somewhere else. Holla.